an actress, comedian, and improv performer for more than four decades. She has appeared in television series Moonlighting, New Heart, The John Letter Cat Show, Your Pretty Face is Going to Hell, and most famously, Seinfeld. In films, she co-starred with Bill Murray in Scrooge, Rick Moranis in Honey, I Blew Up the Kid, and Rodney Dangerfield in The Fourth Tenor. I'm excited to meet Lisa Mendy. Right. Well, I I am a fan of little-known television shows. Those shows are very. I mean, uh, New Hearts a very big show. Moonlighting is a very big show. Yeah, I've heard about, I've heard basically that they're very nice. I talked to Terry uh, Bolo, who is Julie Duffy's stunt double, mm-hmm. and they, she said Julie Duffy was great, Bob Newhart was great, you know, they were all very nice. Yeah, they were. All right, so the question I ask all my guests is, do you remember the first time you saw a television show, or if not, what was the first television show you remember seeing? PBS, yep. So we just put, so we go. Ah, can I can I hear a Right, sure. You just yeah. Throw well, Jimmy Cadney, I mean, all the 
greatest actors started off in the Yiddish theater and spoke Yiddish, even if they weren't Jewish. It's fascinating how many people started off in the Yiddish theater. Yeah, my, my grandparents would tell me that they would see Molly Pecan and uh, Fibish Finkel. Well, right now on Off Broadway, a fiddler in Yiddish is. I know. I want to see it. I need to come to New York just to see that. I don't know if I would understand it. I mean, I know this. I know the whole show by heart, so it's not really anything that it's not going to be hard to understand. Right. You would start. You, you know, your ear would start getting used to it. But if you, your parents probably spoke it around the house, and you don't even know how much you took in. But um, I bet you would understand a lot. Plus, there are so many Yiddish words that are part of the English language that people aren't even aware of. There's so many, so many Yiddish words that we use on a daily basis. Right. Um, you went to the University of Bridgeport to study acting. I did. And, well, and play pool. And were your parents happy with your decision, or did they try to talk you out of it? Oh, they didn't try to talk me out of it, but I, you know, I think they envisioned a life of poverty and misery for me. My mother was um, a very big culture snob. So if I had, I was a dancer, if I had stayed dancing and I had starved as a ballerina, she would have taken great pride in that. But when I started getting film work and television work, because she and her friends were such culture snobs, they, you know, it was embarrassing to her. It's very interesting. She was the only Jewish mother in the world who didn't brag about her kids. She yeah. was embarrassing. It was, it was hysterical. Um, you know, I, I used to be married to Dom Herrera. You know that, right? Yes, I don't. Do you? Yeah, we're, we're still best friends. He's my daughter's godfather. We're best friends. We were married. We were married in the uh, uh, in the late eighties, and um, he used to laugh because my my mother could never say anything nice, and she'd say she has no idea what you've accomplished. She really has no idea. But she, you know, she was just not into television. Right. And your father, same thing. My father died when I was when I was in, in like at university. Uh -huh. well, he he was very proud of everything I did. He would have been thrilled. He would have been bragging to everyone. Uh -huh. My mother was a little different. You were in an improv troupe with Dom. With Dom. That's right. With Dom and Michael Patrick King, the writer producer of Sex and the City and a billion other things. A wonderful actress named Mary Thompson Hunt. A wonderful actor named. Uh, George Wilson and our musical director went on to be musical director on Broadway, Sue Anderson. We were a really, really great troupe. We had a residency at the Manhattan Punchline in in Manhattan, and uh, we performed late Saturday nights. And it, we had just we had great audiences and got written up in all the papers and had so much fun doing it. Improv is my favorite thing in the world. No. I was talking to other people about this, uh, about different different types of improv. So, would you workshop scenes and then perform them on stage, or would you do the making up, you know, asking for audience for for things and then making up? A audience, we did everything in the moment. We sometimes we wrote a set piece if there was something going on in town we wanted to write about it. We wrote a couple of set pieces, but other than the opening, uh, which might be a, a piece that we'd written, everything was improvised. Wow. That's the only way to do improv. If you're going to do improv, walk the tightrope. You know, take take the 
I always wondered, what's the hardest job in show business, being an improv performer in that in that sort of improv, where you have to make up something new every night, or Broadway, where you do the same thing, but have to make it look different every night? Well, I think the hardest thing to do is stand-up comedy. Mm. Because in an improv group, you've got other people around you. If, you. if you fall, they're there to pick you up. If you're in a show on Broadway, you might get bored doing the same stuff night after night. If you're That's funny because that's the one of the three I did. Yeah, I, I think it's really hard. I mean, I've done it too. I'm terrible. I'm a terrible stand-up. But, I, you know, I can fake it because people have seen me on television. They go, well, she stinks, but we've seen her on TV, so it's okay. First movie credit was Hollywood Shuffle? Hollywood Shuffle, yeah. But that was 99% of that was improvised. Robert wrote a couple of the scenes, but the rest of it is improvised. All of the stuff was with uh, Dom and myself and all the stuff, the casting stuff and all the stuff, all of that's improvised. Described as guerrilla movie making, you went from like place to place and just shot? Yeah, we had no permit, you know, so we it was guerrilla filmmaking. Um, we set up the shot, Robert would tell us what the scene was about, we'd improvise, and then we'd get a pretty much flee, which I thought was how you made movies. I thought you did one take and then... That was it, you know, and then we went on to the next, and, and then I got screwed after that, which was a big budget movie, and I watched other people do their close-ups over and over and over again, I thought, oh my God, you don't have to get it in one take, you can take your time, do different things, so it was, you know, very interesting to work that way, it's my first film, I learned how to get it done very quickly. Yeah, Scrooge is one of my favorite movies of all time, I watch it every Christmas. And yeah, and you have one of the sweetest scenes as uh, Bill Murray's mother as a young kid. Yeah, that was uh, that was so lovely. And Bill was extremely kind to me because I was brand new in town. And getting to work with him and, and Ryan Doyle, his brother, played my husband, and David Johansson, you know, <laughs> Poindexter playing the cab driver. I mean, I was brand new to L.A. This was my first feature film. It was pretty damn thrilling. Did you get to meet the other, uh, Carol Kane, or? I didn't. I probably met them at the cast party, but I didn't work with them. I only worked with uh, Brian Doyle and uh, David and, and Bill and the little boy who played my son, who was very cute. Mm. He's probably he's all, he's all grown up now. Yeah. Merry Christmas, yeah. Frankie Angel.
and they go to sleep in their director's chair. So I think they might have been drinking their lunch, I'm not sure. But he was very nice to me. He was very sweet to me. Bill was the one who was, you know, he was all over the place, dancing around and fooling around. And, you know, he was he was really the major personality on the set. So he, for me, he eclipsed everything because, you know, he was Bill Murray. Right. <laughs> Brian Doyle's a wonderful actor, but still, that's Bill Murray. I know it's. I mean, you work with a lot of people like that, like Bob Newhart himself. Yeah, yeah. I worked with Jack Lemmon. I did a film with Jack Lemmon, which is. I mean, come on. When when I said my first word to him, I looked into his eyes and said my first word to him. I was thinking, I'm working with Jack Lemmon. I'm like, it hot. Are you kidding me? Jack Lemmon. I idolize him. It's amazing when 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 you're a kid and then you get to work with these people. You, you did a show that I really liked that was on for two seasons, Hooperman, with John Ritter. What was John Ritter like? John Ritter was possibly the nicest man in show business, and I think everybody will probably say the same thing about him. I did one episode of, of that show, and I didn't have a major part in it. You know, I was a guest star. Every time I would see him, he remembered me. He knew me by name. He would ask me, hello, God, are you working on my show? And then I saw him at the improv once when I was going through something really tough and he said, how are you? And I said, not good. And he said, what's wrong? And he took me outside of the, of the main room of the improv and we sat and we talked and he talked about how he had gone through something similar. And he was just, he was a, a mensch. I mean, he was really a tender, loving, lovely person. And I bet anybody you ask about him will say the same thing. Gone, again, much too young. Yeah, he went... He's one of those guys, like him, Henry Winkler, you hear nothing bad about. Famous Teddy Z. Now, that was supposed to, supposed to be a giant hit, and it was critically loved. Uh, it was too in. It was too showbiz in. It was all based on real showbiz. You know, it was based on a true story, and all the characters were based on real people. So the people in the industry got it, and like, Yeah, Alex Rocco. Oh my God, I know. It's amazing people on that show. Do you know his? Do you know his story? His story's crazy. He was a, a a Southie from Boston, and he was gonna go to jail. And they said, "No, go to Hollywood and 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 start an acting career." That's the only reason why he went to Hollywood and became an actor. Wow. So he would go to jail or get or get uh, rubbed out. And then you worked on another show with another guy I'm a really big fan of, Martin Mull, his and hers. And Honey, I Blew Up the Kids, Rick Moranis. Yeah, yeah. Another incredibly sweet man. 
Unfortunately, that was around the time his wife passed away, I think. That is, yeah, just, it was just around that time, yeah. And basically, I think he was home a lot with the kids and would come back and, and work. But uh, yeah, he was going through a hard time, I believe. I believe it was that time. I worked with, um, you remember the actor John Paragon? Oh, yeah. He... Yeah, John and, John and I worked together. On, I believe it was on that film. Yeah, he was one of uh, one of the major groundlings. And he right. was yeah. uh, Jombie in uh, Pee Wee's Playhouse. Yeah, yeah. We 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 worked on Honey Blood the Kid, and we you know, we we played the um, henchman of the really of the bad evil guy. And you work long hours when you're on a film, and we were doing a last shot. And they wanted to get a shot of us being. Uh, through the computer, so they wanted our reflection in the computer, and he and I got the giggles. When you're doing a, a, a motion picture, time is money. Mm-hmm. We got the giggles, and they start, and then we would just start laughing, and they'd have to cut, and so we done it like five times, and they said, you really have to stop it. And they said, no, we will, we will, we're going to stop it, and we we get hysterical again. And we, we was like, you reach a point where you, you just get, like, you go into another mode. It was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And you work with another guy. I mean, you work with so many people that I like. I really like uh, John Larroquette. Yeah, yeah, with with Lenny Clark. Lenny Clark. Yeah, Lenny Clark. Yeah. That was that was a show I watched. Let me from the stand-up team because I was part of a, an improv team with uh, Michael Patrick King. After our after our improv group went separate ways, Michael and I toured the country for a you know, a year or so, doing improv. So we, we came from the comedy community originally. Did you guys have to go in the comedy condos? Oh, God, yeah. But Michael and I, we were really lucky because when we, the second we got to L.A., but Friedman, we had done a, a layout for GQ magazine, and they put Michael and myself in it. And then we moved to L.A., and Bud Friedman had gotten wind of us, rest his soul, too. Um, and, um, there was an audition for the Merv Griffin show. And, you know, people had worked the improv for ages and wanted to get on that, that audition. And Bud put Michael and myself on the audition. And it's three minutes, three minutes to do improv to well enough to get on them. I, I, some of these people won't know the Merv Griffin show, but it was like the Johnny Carson of the afternoon. I mean, it was a really big deal. And we got that show. So we started headlining pretty quickly at, we traveled with Dom a lot because Dom and I were married, so sometimes we would co-headline or Dom would be the headliner and we'd be the middle act. So we also stayed in some really cool hotels. But yeah, Florida, the most disgusting comedy condos on the planet. Yeah. Mm. Did you did you work Vegas? Oh, yeah. I worked Vegas a lot. Michael and I worked Vegas a lot. Then I, I, I emptied for years at the, um, at the Rib in Vegas. Oh, okay. yeah, for many, many years. My, my daughter used to come for, I would work uh, every summer and every Christmas time. And she, she, when she was a little girl, she and her father would come out Christmas time. And Dom and I think about watching her grow up, watching her run down the halls in Las Vegas. And she loved eating in the, in the coffee house. And it was a big, such a big deal to her. But it was, you know, Dom and I got to hang. And was, even after we weren't married anymore, we've always been great friends. So I would still work there. We would spend a week eating out and staying up too late and singing Beatles songs on the phone at 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Saturday Night Live, and I've, I noticed that 
1981, Dom Herrera seemed to pop up in the back. He was not credited, but he was in a whole bunch of episodes. Do you know what that was about? We did you know yeah, him at that time? Cast on the show, they, they they had a whole new cast, and then somebody I don't know if someone another showrunner came in, but um, they fired almost everybody um, and kept Eddie and a couple of other people. But so yeah, Dom was um, he was in a couple of shows. Yeah, it's just weird though. He, they. He wasn't, like, announced. He wasn't in the credits, but he was in the show. Right. But he was on so many shows. I mean, he would like to have done Saturday Night Live, but he was doing every show known to man. So mm. it, was, it was a big deal, but it wasn't that big a deal. Right. Was, was he friends with Piscopo or John DeBellis or any of those people? John DeBellis. He was friends with DeBellis um, and probably some other people. He was friends with Eddie because, you know, again, Eddie grew up in the same comedy world that we did. Mm. funny anecdotes about people like i heard that brian doyle murray in on on one of the uh shows he was a cast member of he instead of a trailer he asked for a a pitching putt so he could just practice his golf swing yeah like those are the kinds of things i'd like to hear That's more in the movies than in TV. Come over, Captain. When's he gonna see the baby? That's 
did that, which counted as two. The ugly baby, which counted as one. The English patient. Right. And then there was another one that I can't remember the name of. That, that is just kind of sitting around talking about having kids with a lady. The soulmate? Soulmate? Yeah, the soulmate, yes. Yeah. So it's a five credit because the first show was a two-hour show. That's why I was, because it said credit only. On the on the second episode of the boyfriend, right. So that's what I was wondering about. So did you you had to audition for that part? I did, and you know, auditioning in front of your friends is very difficult because I knew Larry and, and George Shapiro and Jerry, but I also knew I'm from Teaneck, New Jersey, mm. so I knew this woman afterwards. <laughs> I mean, I knew her, so I was in there, and I just. going to ask you. Evergreen shows. Unbelievable. It's, people are still talking about it. I'm doing more podcasts and interviews now about Seinfeld than I've ever done before. And the Hamptons episode is the shrinkage. That's right. That's the Ugly Baby episode. Yes, as well. Yeah. Yeah. Because I had Peter Melman on. And yeah. we, we talked. He's a, he's a great guy. Yeah, he is. And we talked about um, that. Sh- I think Larry David came up with the term shrinkage. You were very, you were very funny in that as well. Oh, we did was come out of the, of the theater clamped, you know. Yeah. No one cried except, except for uh, Elaine. Was that movie really 
Were people really that choked up from that movie? I never saw it, so I wouldn't know. I, I never saw it. I, <laughs> I see like nothing. I recognize nobody. I, I work with people, and someone has to take videos of that to work with. Right? I mean, I watch very little TV, and I, um, I never, I never. There's so many things I haven't seen, and the English Patient is one of them. How about Sex in the City? Because Michael, Michael, Patrick King. Michael. How was Nothing to Lose, working on Nothing to Lose? Nothing to Lose was great because, first of all, somebody that I really liked wrote it, and um, also from the comedy community. And um, Steve Odekirk. heroes who I was lucky to see perform twice in the fourth tenor, uh, his last role, Rodney Dangerfield. Rodney 
And at the rap party, his beautiful, lovely, gorgeous wife came over to me. And she said, you know, I should hate you. And I said, well, oh, my God, what did I do? And she said, Rodney cannot stop talking about you. Mm-hmm. And he wants to put you in his next film. And he just loved you and he loved working with you. But, you know, come on, it's Rodney Dangerfield. I met him because Dom had done his special, but still. Um, and that was really so, I mean, what a stroke to your ego, you know. That was, it was lovely. Mm-hmm. He was the kindest. I mean, everyone loved him. He was good to every good comedian he tried to help. He was just amazing. Yes, um, I know. Yeah, his his HBO specials gave a lot of people jobs. Yeah, yeah. And Dom Herrera was in that as well. Yeah, Dom was. I think one of the best ones. I mean, the cast of that that special was incredible. And he, he was also in the fourth tenor. I mean. And he was in the fourth tenor as well. Yeah, yeah. He got a really good cast. Charles Fleischer. Yep. What a wonderful comedian and a, a, a brilliant mind. Mm. And Hamilton Camp has been around forever. Was around forever. Uh-huh. And you're not going to know that. You might not remember the name Elsa Raven. If you, I do not remember that name. She was. That's okay. She, she she was the woman in Back to the Future who, who yells, save the clock tower. Yeah, so that that's like you know that's what I know her from. Yeah. Um. So then I ever see that name, I'm like, oh, that's that lady. Well, you know, Steve Odenkirk's best friend is Tom Wilson. Oh, I love I love Tom Wilson. Yeah. That song that he wrote that answers all the questions that he was always asked about Back to the Future. It's so funny. Uh-huh. That's so funny. Your pretty face is going to hell. How did you get okay. that? And Other People's Children was a short film? It's a short film by a wonderful filmmaker named Baby Reynolds, who has, it's a, it's like a triptych. It's three films with similar characters, the storyline that runs through. He's made a couple of other films as well. Really wonderful uh, film writer and um, director. And uh, it's some of his films are making the circuit. That means that, you know, the circuit shoe with each and then the various different film festivals. Okay. And what are you doing now? Well, I do a lot of things now. I uh, have a not-for-profit organization called Artist 2, with the number 2 Artist. And we do fundraisers for communities in need, at risk. We do these huge themed-out fundraisers. Um, we, we did one, we did one a couple of years ago. We stopped for a while because of COVID, but before that we did a fundraiser for veteran uh, suicide prevention, and we recreated CBGBs, which I don't know if you, do you know what CBGBs is? Oh, uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of that. Um, yeah. So I called in a favor and got Wayne Kramer from the MC5 to oh. play our fundraiser. So you can imagine what the, what the place was so packed. Just, you know, so we do fundraisers for a lot of good things. We're doing one this year. We're recreating Woodstock. Oh, that's um, cool. So I do that. I MC any good 
charity. I love everything because I like the unplanned moment. I love a live audience. Um, I do, you know, do work occasionally, go back and do something or a small film. I um, am helping dress trans women so that they can pass and uh, feminize themselves because it's a very dangerous time to be a trans person. And I sell and wear and give away vintage clothing. I have three grandchildren. My daughter decided to have her children very early, so I've got three grandchildren and um, a wonderful husband who's incredible in his own right. He was a piano tech, which every band you ever loved in your life, from Crosby, Stills, and Nash to, I mean, just everyone. Um, so I've got a pretty full and active and very happy life. Thank you very much. You bet, and we can talk again. Okay, thank you. All right, well, have a great night. You too.